Welcome to the uh, Recruiting Guy podcast. This is Richard Davenport of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and HawkSports.com. Excited about having Scotty Thurman on uh, today's podcast. This is going to be an interesting ride because we're going to go down through the years of, oh, not the years, but a few years of his recruiting process. Obviously, things have changed tremendously since Scotty was uh, recruited by Coach Nolan Richardson and obviously went on and had a great career at Arkansas. Now he's at Little Rock Parkview, changing lives there uh, on and off the court. And the conversation that led to his commitment is is gold. And we're going to get to that later. But first, we're going to talk about some other things. But welcome, Scotty. Scotty, thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Oh, man, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. Things have obviously changed a little bit. You've been through the recruiting process uh, back in the early 90s, or I don't know when exactly when it started, because back then I wouldn't think it was anything like it is today where <laughs> even 7th and 8th graders are getting offers. But still, I would imagine it was pretty tense. When did you start getting interest in, in those first offers? At what, at what time in your high school career? Well, man, it's funny that you mentioned the offers, you know, you know, back then everything was, you know, coaches came and watched you play either high school or AAU, most times AAU because AAU was the biggest deal then. There wasn't so many travel teams. It wasn't, you know, Under Armour didn't have their own league. Nike didn't have their own league. It was all part of the amateur athletic union. I mean, that's where you were seen. And back when I was playing my AAU days, you know, the games were held in Jonesboro, Arkansas. So it was there that, when I was in the 10th grade and I was actually a, a 15 year old playing 16 and, you know, we went there to Jonesboro to play and I saw coach Scott Edgar sitting courtside and kind of following me around. And at that time, I didn't really know what that meant. You know, I was just competing and playing games and having fun, just being a kid. And then the more and more I saw him, the more and more I started to realize like he's following me around. And I mean, there were other coaches there, but he was the only coach who I was starting to see at pretty much every game that I had. And then from there, Coach Edgar went on and, and, and took the job at, I think at that time, was Murray State. And then Coach Anderson uh, took over the recruitment from there and started watching me play AAU and came and watched me play a couple of times in high school. And at that point, you know, that's when I kind of knew Arkansas was serious. But in terms of, like, offers, you know, back then it was all phone calls. When they could call you, they'd call you and talk to you and share about their program and, you know, let them know that there was an interest it really was never really an explanation in terms of, hey, we're offering you a scholarship. It was more, hey, would you be interested in coming to play at Arkansas? And if so, we'd love to have you. And that was kind of it. You know, I had that conversation with Coach Anderson, and we continued to develop the relationship there in my 11th to 12th grade year. And then Coach Richardson kind of picked it up from there and, and kind of increased the intensity in terms of the recruitment process. How many, I mean, who was your first offer or, or first time that someone alluded to wanting you to come to the, uh, their program? The first phone call that I actually remember getting was from Tulane. And there was that's back when Perry Clark was the coach. This was right after they had had the shaving point scandal. And, um, you know, Perry Smith, I mean, Perry Clark was the coach. Julius Smith was the assistant at the time. And, you know, they were both telling me, you know, that they felt like I could come there and, and, and have a big impact. And then soon after that, LSU and Dale Brown, I think, was the next call. And then it was the University of New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken, that started to call. And then after that, it just started to happen. There were, you know, bigger schools, Wim Sanders from Alabama, um, Georgia. That's back when Hugh Durham was the head coach. And it just kind of went on, so on and so forth from there, where schools started calling Pittsburgh, you know, which wound up being in my top five also. 
uh, really started calling me a lot. Back then, the assistant coach was John Sarandria, and the head coach was Paul Evans. And I remember those conversations pretty vividly, as well as Billy Tuss from Oklahoma. So do you remember approximately how many schools you felt like that you had an offer from? Uh, probably 20 or so. I mean, you know, back then also home visits were, were really big. And, you know, when you set up home visits and coaches came to your home, that's really when you knew that they were really serious about you. And, you know, everybody was getting a phone call. Everybody was getting the mail. But, you know, when they set up times to come and see you and sit down and visit with you and your family, that's when you knew that they were serious. So I would say probably around 20 schools. And, and it probably would have been more, but, you know, I grew up in a house where I had a dad that was pretty old school. He didn't believe in wasting people's time and resources. You know, he felt that if you were serious about someone and you wanted to listen, then you, you should. But if it was just an infatuation type of deal where you were just caught up in the publicity of it or the neighbor seeing a head coach pull up, then he, you know, he wouldn't allow me to, to, to continue to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I ended up narrowing it down pretty quickly and, and, and getting it over. Okay. Well, you remember that first conversation with Coach Richardson? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. You know, the first conversation was he, you know, obviously had a great team at the time with Todd Daly, Mayberry, and all the middle of those guys. And the first conversation he had with me was, you know, what style of plays I like to play. You know, was I a guy who, you know, wanted to play positionless basketball, which now it seems a term that everyone's using. But, you know, coach was really big on if you were a point guard, that was fine. But what happened if you had to play off the ball? If you were a big who was a post player, you know, how would you act if plays weren't being drawn up for you but someone else and maybe you were the second option and different things like that. So he was really the first coach who kind of made me start thinking outside the box in terms of, being able to play multiple positions and being seen as more than just a one-dimensional guy and understanding, you know, how to play the game, the way he likes to play the game and how he approached the game. And I just remember his energy and his attitude and his confidence more than anything. Uh, he's very confident in what he brought to the table and very confident in his program. And that, that's really what stuck out to me most. Was it kind of intimidating at first talking to some of these coaches and especially Coach Richardson, you know, being such a young guy? I would imagine – I can't imagine that. Well, I think the only thing that, that, that saved me from probably being intimidated was, you know, my father was a pretty big man, uh, six seven, about 245. So I was kind of used to being, you know, scorned at times by someone of his size and then having that deep voice uh, that my father had was kind of the same. So I wouldn't say I was afraid. I was probably more – surprised and shocked, you know, of it happening because, you know, where I'm from, not a lot of people get the opportunity to go on and, and, and play at such high-level institutions. We did have some guys, most of them were football players, but there weren't a ton of basketball players at the time in North Louisiana that were having opportunities to go and play college ball. What was that in home with uh, Coach Richardson like? Yeah, it was funny uh, because he came in, and I think at the time when he came in, my father was worked seven days on, seven days off, was not there. So it was just myself, my mom, and my high school coach. And he was just really, really comical about the way he was going to require me to have to work. Um, he started talking about the practice at 6 a.m., and, you know, I was kind of looking at him like, you know, this guy's crazy. And But he was really – you know, serious in terms of his approach. And the one thing that I liked that stood out more than anything was he had already kind of visualized how he was going to use me. You know, everybody talked about their program and everybody talked about, you know, the good, the bad, you know, none of the ugly, obviously, in recruiting. 
but you know, he was the first person who kind of told me how he saw me fitting in terms of the style of play, the forty minutes of hell style, and how he saw me being utilized. And that was that was a big deal for me, is just understanding, okay, this is what he sees out of me and what he's expecting. And knowing that I was going to be a young freshman, I think he was really probably the first uh, high-level coach who told me that, you know, my age didn't matter because um, at that time my AU coaches and even some of my high school coaches and teachers thought that maybe redshirting or possibly going to a prep school would be a good idea due to the fact that I was going to graduate at 17. And he just kind of killed that, you know, right off the bat. I was just like, look, I'm not recruiting you to come sit. I'm not recruiting you for you to come and redshirt. I mean, if that has to happen, though, we'll talk about that at that time. But I'm recruiting you for you to come in and have the opportunity to play right away. And that was something I really respected. What did your mom think of of him after the in-home? Oh, she was really excited about it. And really, my aunt, who lived next door, you know, she had a a crush on Coach Richardson, if you could believe that. So... She often bragged about how he looked and how he dressed and the way he talked and walked and how he got out of the car, how he got back in the car. So my mom spent most of the time laughing when Coach left because my aunt came over immediately following him. was like, hey, that's a handsome man. I really like that man. And so we just kind of all laughed and we never really even talked about what he had spoke about in the in-home. It was more about what he had on. You know, he wore the boots and the flashy suit. And I think that just really caught my mother off guard. Well, now, who were your top five schools again? My top five schools were Arkansas, Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, Stanford, and Texas. Now, at the time, if, if somebody like myself would call and talk to you, you would say, oh, most likely, I, I have no idea. Maybe maybe you wouldn't. But so many times the kid gives a top five and you say, well, is, there, is there a leader? Oh, no, everybody's the same. Uh, well, yeah. in your mind, who who is, who is leading for you? In my mind, I really felt like Oklahoma and Arkansas and even Texas were my three favorites. I mean, I liked, I really liked Stanford, but I knew in my heart that I wanted my parents to be able to see me play. And I just felt like going that far from home was not going to give them the opportunity to do so. And that was probably the only reason that I ruled him out. I mean, at the time, Coach Mike Montgomery was the head coach. He was a nice guy. and He shared a lot of good things with me. And, you know, I really felt like I could have played for him, but I just didn't see myself going that far from home. Oklahoma, I, I liked the style of play. You know, I really liked Coach Tubbs and liked the proximity to my to my parents. And then Arkansas was the same and Texas was the same. The thing that, that, that ruled Texas out was being in the Southwest Conference. I really didn't feel like basketball was getting the notoriety that it deserved, even though Arkansas, you know, had great teams and a lot of success and a lot of, you know, publicity and notoriety. But I just still felt like it was a football conference, especially with Arkansas having moved out. You know, once I became a senior, that was my senior year when they went to the SEC. So I didn't see myself, you know, growing up in Louisiana where it's really a football state, so to speak. I didn't want to continue that. I wanted to go somewhere and and have the opportunity where I felt like basketball was, if not, you know, the number one sport, it was at least viewed as one of the top sports at the school. Hence, Oklahoma at the time, you know, they'd had success with Wayman Tisdale and that group, Mookie Blaylock and all those guys. But, you know, there were some things that happened on the visit that really kind of turned me away, you know, from them. And, then that left Arkansas and in the conversation that I wound up having with Coach Richardson on the night that I did commit. Did you take officials to all those schools, the top five? 
No, I just took three. I, I visited Arkansas on a non-football weekend. That was the weekend that they were playing Miami here in Little Rock. Um, I think that's when the receiver Copeland had, you know, had a huge game against us. That was a good thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, one of the reasons I did that was because everybody, you know, you talk about negative recruiting, you know, everybody was telling myself, my family, and all my friends that, you know, Arkansas, Fayetteville was not, you know, the place for me, and it was so far from home, and all these negative things, and, and one of the things I give my dad credit for is he, he told me, he said, hey, this is how you, how you circumvent that. He said, if you really have that question in your mind, how about you take a visit when there's nothing going on? And that way you see if it's a place that you could be when there's no basketball season, no football season, no rah-rah of the fans, and it's just regular life. And that was probably the best advice he gave me in terms of, you know, visiting school. So when I took the visit there, he reminded me of my hometown, small town, college town, not a ton to do, but, you know, really just geared around the university and, and its athletic program. So I just kind of felt like, you know, that was a good option. I took a visit to Pitt, and it was so cold that I knew getting off the plane they had a huge game against Penn State. It was packed. And, you know, I was like, man, this is a lot of people. I think it was like 100,000 people. So I was kind of looking around in shock. But at the same time, I was freezing my butt off. So I'm thinking, man, there's no way I'm going to make this. Like, this is not going to work. And then when I took my visit to OU, you know, the craziest thing happened. I had a guy that was my host. You know, he wound up leaving me at a party and disappeared and it was supposed to be two hosts and the second guy got arrested so i wound up catching a ride back to the hotel with someone i didn't even really know but just trying to get back because you know there was no uber back then and people weren't calling cabs as much as you know they were maybe in new york but not in norman oklahoma and i got back to the hotel i knew immediately when i got back to the hotel and i remembered like it was yesterday i was watching the florida state LSU football game on TV. Amp Lee was having a great game. It was storming and raining, and they were still playing because it wasn't lightning. It was one of the messiest games I'd ever watched. And I watched that game knowing the whole time, like, man, this will be my last time in Norman. Unofficial visits are very big now. Did you make very many unofficials or any? I took several unofficials, but really to the same schools. I mean, I went to LSU several times. I went to La Tech because it was there locally. Um, I went to Louisiana Monroe, which was just right down the street. But those were the only three unofficials that I took. Okay, let's get to uh, the call of Coach Richardson the night that you committed. When was it? And just describe it because it's a classic story. <laughs> well, it was the night that I returned back from my visit to Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh, and it was – you know, it was so cold that when I got home, I mean, literally, I had to take a hot shower for a long period of time just to kind of get my body temperature back to normal because I'd never really been that cold before. And back then, you know, there wasn't really cell phones for youngsters. And I had my own phone in my room, which I originally had shared with my two older brothers who are now, you know, out of the house. So... I get out of the shower and I'm tired. I got to get ready to go to school the next day. I think my mom was, you know, fixing me something to eat. And lo and behold, my phone rings and it's like 1130 or something. And I'm looking at it like, man, who was this calling me? So I answered and it's Coach Rich. And he's like, hey, Scotty, what's going on? I'm like, hey, what's up, Coach? 
hey, what are you up to? I'm like, well, I just got back from Pittsburgh. You know, I'm trying to get ready, you know, for school tomorrow. And he said, you just came back from another visit? And I was like, yes, sir. He said, where'd you come from? And I was like, Pittsburgh. He said, Pitt? He's like, you want to go to the Big East and walk the ball up the floor? So I'm like, coach, I mean, I'm just considering him. But I'm just asking you, you want to walk the ball up the floor? I was like, no, not really. He was like, well, that, 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 that's not, not going to Pitt then. And I said, he said, what other schools you consider? I said, Texas. He said, Texas? Oh, sweet Tommy P. He said, well, you know, Texas has never beat me in anything. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, coach, I, I watched the games. I saw you guys beat Texas a couple of times. He said, where else you think about going? I said, Oklahoma. You know, Coach Billy Tubb. He said, oh, Tubby. Tubby's just trying to duplicate what I do. He's trying to play like me. So I'm like, okay, coach. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, is he going to let me get off the phone? So finally, he's like, so, son, what are you going to do? And I was like, coach, I'm still thinking about it. He's like, well, I need to know. I want to know if you come to play for me or not. So finally, I just said, you know, coach, I'm coming to Arkansas. And I got off the phone, and I was just so happy to go to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I told my mom, I said, hey, I committed to Arkansas last night. And she was excited. She was like, if that's where you want to go, then that's where you should go. My dad was still at work. So we called my dad, told him, and he's like, hey, if that's where you want to go, that's where you should go. And he's like, one thing, I just need to talk to the coach. So we got him on the phone with Coach Richardson, and they talked. And he kind of gave the stamp of approval that it was okay for me to go ahead and commit there. The rest was history. I mean, I think I committed like a week before the signing period, if I'm not mistaken. Or it may have been a cross because it was my birthday weekend that I went to Pitt. And when I came back on that Monday, I think the signing date was going to start like that Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. And I wound up signing and, you know, the rest was history. How did the word get out about you committing to Arkansas? Well, back then we did it in my principal's office. Uh, We signed and we had some local news stations that were there and they came in and watched me sign. But it wasn't like, you know, the picking of the caps. And obviously there was no social media or any of those types of things. It was just more about the local media. And then from there, I guess the national media, whoever, would, you know, would cover or had affiliates, you know, they kind of took it and ran with it. Obviously the national championship game is a highlight. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But thinking back uh, on your career and Coach Richardson, some of the things that uh, still stays with you today about Coach Richardson. Well, the, the, the rising early in the morning and getting prepared, you know, to move on with your day and to be productive, that stuck with me. The working hard, trying to outwork everyone and everything that you do, you know, that's always stuck with me. But more about the teamwork and the communication it takes to, to be able to perform at a high level. I think I've lived that pretty much every day of my life, not just with the guys that I coach or, or mentor, but, you know, just in family life, just with my coworkers and peers. And everybody, I think that's the biggest thing I learned is how to be unselfish. You know, so many teenagers nowadays, they don't really understand what it's like to give up yourself. And that's the one thing that I learned from him is how do you give up yourself and be willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the team or the business or whatever it is that you're a part of in order to help make it successful. What was the biggest uh, chew out uh, from uh, Coach Richardson that you had? (laughs) Oh, the biggest chew out I had. Oh, man, well, there was one time, and I mean, it was me, but it was really the team. There was one time where we had came back from Honolulu when we played in the Rainbow Classic, and we beat, I think it was Oklahoma in the championship, if I'm not mistaken, when they had Ryan Miner in that group. And we won the game, and when we flew back to get back to Fayetteville, there were a couple of days before our first conference game, which was at Ole Miss. And we get back, 
and you know Corey was the captain. I was never a captain, but Corey was a captain. And Corey came to me and was like, "Hey, man, I think the guys are tired. You know, we need to talk to coach and see if he's willing to give us a day off because we were scheduled to practice the next day." So I was like, "Okay." He was like, "You gonna talk to him?" And I'm looking like, "Well, I thought it was all of us." And he said, "Well, man, everybody wants you to do it." So I said, "Okay, I'll talk to him." So meanwhile, as we're having this conversation, Coach Richardson's in the airport because we had a long layover. We were delayed in Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. And Coach was on the floor of the airport. I mean, he was snoring like a bear. I mean, he was snoring. So I'm like, of course, I'm not going to wake him up. I'm going to wait until he gets up and gets his bearings about him before I have a conversation with him. So finally, he wakes up. He gets him some coffee. We're getting ready to make our connection. And he's kind of looking at me like, I know you got something you want to say. What's going on? So I said, Coach, I said, I've been talking to the guys. And I said, you know, we were wondering if we could maybe do some kind of trade off because I knew he wasn't going to go for me just telling him to give us off. I said, we were wondering if we could maybe get a day off and then we'll make it up with two days, two in a day, you know, go one day or two a day. And he said, okay, I like it. I like that idea. He said, that's what you guys want to do. He said, you talk to everybody about it. I said, yeah, I talked to him. They told me to talk to you. He said, okay, if that's what everybody want to do, that's fine. I said, okay. So he said, we're going to go at six in the morning. I think it was getting ready to be uh, Monday or Tuesday. So we can go at six in the morning, which would have been the next day. So I'm like, okay. Little did I know that my teammates actually had a house party planned. So they have a house party, but they forgot that when they shared the information with the house party, Nolan Richardson III finds out about the party. So he finds out about the party. Nothing happens. Okay. We go play the game at Ole Miss. We lose the game. They rush the court on it. We're number one in the country. The next day when we get back to Fayetteville, we had a 6 a.m. workout. And that's the first time that I've seen Coach coming. We were all shooting around, getting ready to practice. And he said, hey, put the balls up. He didn't say it that nicely, but he said, put the balls up. So everybody's putting the balls up. And some guys were moving a little slower than what he wanted. And he finally just kind of erupted. It was like, I said, put my balls up. So we put the balls up. He gets us on the baseline. And he said, this is what we're going to do. You guys want a party? We're getting ready to have a party. So he started putting time on the clock. And we were sprints, suicides, down in bags. I mean, everything. And then finally, Elmer Martin, who was kind of a elder statesman on the team, says, Wait a minute, Coach, we, we need to talk. And when he said that, Coach jumped up and got in his face and said, what is it we need to talk about? And now all the guys are kind of looking. Coach is sweating. We're all dog-tired, and we're thinking, oh, man, we're getting the rest. And finally he came. He's like, who all went to the party? So guys started raising their hand, and then he looked at me. He was like, did you know about the party when you were talking to me? I said, no, sir. Are you being honest with me? Yes, sir. And he got up in my face, nose to nose. I asked you, were you being honest with me? I said, yes, sir. I'm being honest. I didn't know. So he said, what about you, Corliss? Did you go to the party? And Corliss didn't go. And Corliss said, no, sir, I didn't go. He said, well, you should have went. Back on the line. And we got back on the line and ran some more. And then finally he called us in and he just talked to us about, you know, being misleading or not being above board with him. And he was like, it'll never happen again. Now he doesn't trust us to have to come talk to him about 
getting days off. Now he's going to dictate it. He and the trainer alone, he and Dave England. And that was like, we never wanted to do that again, was have that problem again, because that was the most I'd ever ran for coaching. Mind you, we ran quite a bit. But on that particular day, I thought that was my last day as a Razorback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Scotty, when you, you you were talking that whole time, Nick and I were just looking at one another and just kind of laughing because it, it just, it's just such great stuff, great great stories. And uh, I know the fans are going to love uh, hearing this. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me because I said, hey, we do 15, 20 minutes, but I think we did about 30. And, but uh, we could have <laughs> done another 30, and I appreciate you. Uh, there's no problem, man. Anytime. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. And uh, that's it uh, for this podcast. Uh, thanks again to Scotty Thurman. And we'll see you next time. This is Richard Davenport.